Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Jordan, Chapter 6. Libby and Harley raised eyebrows at Chase Roadhouse and Bar with their improper edition of the dinner bug. It was a full house, too, on a Saturday night. At least two of the Tremoning brothers were there with their wives. The cow and cow Bounder and his wife, Abby, were sitting at a table nearby with Leo Hart and his wife, Janie. I'm absolutely sure the Calhoun is going to win the state senate seat, Harley said in Libby's ear when they were seated again drinking iced tea and eating hamburgers. It looks like he's going to get some support from the hearts. Is Mr. Parks in his corner, too? She asked, you know, all the way. The political landscape has been changing steadily for the past few years, but old man Merrill just keeps going with his old agenda. He hasn't got a clue what the voters want anymore. And more important, he doesn't control them through his powerful friends. You think his daughter would be forward-thinking? She pointed out he didn't say anything, but his face is elegant. Somebody said she was thinking of running for public office in Jacobsville's again. No name indicate identification. Harley said it once. You have to have it to win an office. Without it, all the money in the world won't get you elected. You seem to know something about politics. You come on, he averted his eyes, do I? He mused. Harley never talked about his family or his past. Showing up at Side Park's place one day and proved himself to be an exceptional cowboy, but nobody knew much about him. He'd gone on a gigantic drug bust with Jacobsville ex-mercenaries, and he had a reputation for being a tough customer, but he was as mysterious in his way as the town's police chief, Cash Grier. When you just know they'd show up and spoil everything, Harley said suddenly, glaring toward the door. Sure enough, there was Jordan Powell and an expensive western-cut sports coat in Stetson and boots, escorting pretty Jerry Merrill in a blue silk dress that looked simple and probably cost the earth. Doesn't she look expensive? Harley mused. She probably is, Louis said, trying to look, trying not to look and sound as hard as she really was. It killed her to see Jordan there with that terrible woman. She's going to find out pretty soon that she's the equivalent of a three-day-old fish with this crowd. Harley predicted coolly, watching her stick her nose up at the bounders as she passed them. I just hope she doesn't drag Jordan down with her, Libby said softly. He started out like us, Harley, she added. He was just a working cowboy with ambition. <laughs> Jordan seated duly and shot a cool glance in Harley in Libby's direction without even acknowledging them. He sat down, placing a stencil on a vacant chair, and motioned a waiter. Did you want something stronger to drink? Harley asked her. She grinned at him. I don't have a head for liquor, Harley. I'd rather stick to icy if you don't mind. So would I. He could find. Motioning for a waiter. The waiter, with a fine sense of irony, walked right past Jordan to take Harley's order. Julie Merrill was sputtering like a stepped-on garden oats. <sighs> Two more iced teas, Charlie. Harley told the waiter, and thanks for giving us preference. Oh, I know who the best people are, Harley. The boy said with a wicked grin. He walked right past Jordan and Julie again, not even looking at them. And then later, Jordan got up, socked over to the counter to order their drinks. <sighs> He'll smolder for the rest of the night over that. <laughs> Harley moved so. Will she, unless I miss my guess? Isn't it amazing? He had a talk. The man was as much sense as Jordan Powell. Can't see right through that debutante. How is it that you can? Louis asked him curiously. He's like, I know politicians all too well. He said it for a moment. His expression was distant. Old man Merrill has been hitting the bottle pretty hard lately, he said. This isn't going to set well with his constituents that he pulled over and charged with drunk driving by Jacobsville's finest. Don't you think they'll convict him? She won her love. You can bet money on it, Harley Potter. The world has shifted 10 degrees. Local politicians don't meet 
and parking cars make policy anymore. The sunshine laws means that the media get wind of anything crooked and they report it. Senator Merrill has been living in the past. He's going to get a hell of a wake-up call in the primary election when Calhoun Ballinger knocks him off the diplomatic ballot as a contender. Mr. Boundrin looks like a gentleman. Libby <laughs> commented, noticed the closeness of Cowan and his brunette wife, Abby. He and his wife have been married a long time, haven't they? <laughs> Years, Harley said. He and Justin are honest and hardworking men. They came up from nothing, too. Although Justin's wife, Shelby, was Jacobs. Before she married him, he reminded a direct descendant of Big John Jacobs. But don't you think either of the Boundrin brothers would have been taken in by Julie Merrill, even when they were single? But don't you think either of the Ballinger boys would have been taken in by Julie Merrill even when they were sing still single? Too possible to think the waiter who brought their two glasses of tall cold icy. Jordan was still waiting for his order at the counter where Julie Garrett Libby and Harley. She's not quite normal, is she? Libby said quietly. I mean, the Albert and Barbers Cafe was so violent. People on jokes usually are violent. Harley thought. And irrational. He looked right in Libby's eyes. She's involved in some pretty nasty stuff, Libby. I can't tell you what I know, but Jordan is damaging himself just by being seen in public with her. The campaigns will get hot and heavy later this month, and some dirty linen is about to be exposed to God and the general public. Libby was concerned. Jordan's a good man. And she said quietly, her eyes going like homing pigeons to his lean, handsome face. He caught her looking at him and glared. Julie seen his attention diverted, looked too. Once he returned to the table, Julie leaned over and whispered something to Jordan. That made him give Libby a killing glare before he started ignoring her completely. Watch your back, Harley told Libby as he sipped his tea. She considers you a danger to her plans with Jordan. She'll sell you down the river if she can. She sighed miserably. Where's my stepmother now, Julie? She murmured. I feel like I've got a target painted on my forehead. We all have bad times, Harley told her gently. And slid a big hand over one of hers. Really, we get through them. You too, she wondered aloud. Yeah, me too. He blindly smiled at her. Neither of them saw the furious look on Jordan Powell's face or the calculating look on Julie's. The following week, when Libby went to Barber's Cafe for lunch, she walked right into Jordan Powell on the sidewalk. He was alone, as she was, and his expression made her feel cold all over. What's this about you going up to San Antonio for the night with Harley last Wednesday? He asked bluntly. Libby couldn't even formulate a reply for the shock. She'd driven Kurt. Over to the Duke Wright's place early Wednesday afternoon, and from there she driven up to San Antonio to obtain some legal documents from the court county clerk's office for Mr. Cap. She hadn't even seen Harley there. I thought you were pure as the driven snow. Jordan Co. continued icily, his dark eyes narrowing on her face. You put on a good act, don't you, Libby? I don't need to be a mind reader in Hawaii either. I'm rich and you and your brother. I'm rich, and you and your brother are about to lose your ranch. Janet hasn't started probate yet, she thought. That's not what I hear. I don't care what you hear, she told him flatly. Neither Kurt nor I care very much what you think either, Jordan. But you're going to run into serious problems if you hang out with Julie Merrill until her father loses the election. He glared down on her. He isn't going to lose, he assured her. She hated seeing him being so stubborn, especially when she had at least some idea of what Julie was going to drag him down into. She moved a step closer, her green eyes soft and beseeching. Jordan, 
You're an intelligent man. She began slowly. Surely you can see what Julie wants you for. A worldly look narrowed his eyes as they searched over her figure without any reaction. Oh, Julie wants me. All right, he replied coolly. That's what's driving you to make these wild comments, isn't it? You're jealous because I'm spending so much time with her. She didn't dare let on, on what she was feeling. She forced a careless smile. Am I? Do you think I don't know when a man is teasing me? You know more than I ever gave you credit for. And that's the truth, he said. You and Harley Fowler. Made it sound like an insult. Harley is a fine man, she said to him. Obviously, you think so, or you wouldn't be shacking up with him. He Does your brother know? I'm a big girl now, she said, furious at the insinuation. Both of you had better remember that I make a bad enemy, he told her. Whether ha whatever happens with your ranch, I don't want to have a subdivision full of people on my, board, on my border. You know what? He didn't know that Libby and Kurt had already discussed how they were going to manage without their father's life insurance policy to pay the mortgage payments that were still owed. Riddle had taken out a mortgage on the ranch to buy Janet's Mercedes. Janet had waltzed off with the money, and the private detective Jordan had recommended to Mr. Kep had drawn a blank when he tried to dig into Janet's past. The will hadn't been probated either, so there was no way Riddle, Collins, and children could claim any of their inheritance with... With which to pay bills or make the huge mortgage payment, they'd have to let their only helper, their part-time cowboy, go for a lack of funds to pay him. They only had one horse left, and they'd have to sell off most of their cattle. The only money coming in right now was what Kurt and Libby earned in their respective jobs, and it wasn't much. Of course, Libby wasn't going to share that information with the hostile Jordan Powell. Things were so bad that she and Kurt might have to move off the ranch anyway because they couldn't make that mortgage payment at the end of the month. It was over $800. Their collective take-home pay wouldn't amount to that much, and there were still other bills owing. Janet had run a few bills with while Riddle was still alive. Jordan felt sick of what he was saying to Libby. He was jealous of Harley Fowler, furiously jealous. He couldn't bear the thought of Libby in bed with that other man. She wasn't even denying what Julie had assured him had happened between them. Libby in Harley's arms, kissing him. With such hunger that his toes tingled. Libby, loving Harley, Jordan ate to have her for himself. He dreamed of her every night, but Libby was with Harley now. He'd lost his chance. He couldn't marry it. Is Harley going to loan you enough money to keep the ranch going until Janet's found? He wondered aloud. He smiled. He hasn't got two dimes to roll together from what I hear. Libby remembered the mortgage payments she couldn't make. Once she might have bent her pride enough to ask Jordan loan it to her. Not anymore. Now, after what he said to her, she looked at her chin. That's none of your business, Jordan, she said brownly. Don't expect me to lend it to you, he said for spite. Jordan, I wouldn't ask you for a loan if the house burnt down. She assured him of lunch. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm using up my lunch hour. She started to go around him, but he caught her arm and marched her down the little alley between her office and the town square. It was an enclave, away from traffic, with no prying eyes. While she was wondering what was on his mind, he backed her up against the cold brick and brought his mouth down on hers. <laughs> he lifted his head a bare inch and looked into her wide green eyes. It was possession in desire. Never stopped. He couldn't get within an arm's length of her without giving in to temptation. Did she realize? No, she had no idea. She thought it was a punishment for her harsh word. It was more. He was anguished. You still want me, you got it. Do you think I don't know? What? She murmured her eyes on his mouth. She could barely think at all. 
Chihuahua's body so close that when he breathed, her chest deflated. Her breast ached at the warm pressure of his broad chest. It was having to be so close to him, and she didn't dare let it show. Are you trying to prove something? She murmured, forcing her hands to push instead of pulling his shoulders. Only that Harley isn't in my league. He said in a husky, arrogant tone as he bent again and forced her mouth open under the slow, exquisite skill of his kisses. In fact, he bent off against her. Neither are you, Cupcake. She wanted to come back with some snappy reply. She really did, but the sensation he was arousing were hypnotic, drugging. She felt him move one long, powerful le jean-clagged leg in between both of hers. It was broad daylight. In the middle of town. He's making love to her against the wall, and she didn't care. She moved against him, her lips welcoming, her hands spreading, caressing against his ribcage, his chest. There was no tomorrow. There was only Jordy. Jordan, wanting her, her body throbbed in time with her frantic heartbeat. She was hot all over, swelling, aching. She wanted relief, anything. Voices coming closer pushed them apart when she would have said that nothing could. Jordan stepped back, his face a rigid mask. She looked up at him, her crushed mouth red from the dirt pressure, her eyes soft and misty and dazed. Her pocketbook was on the ground. He reached down and handed it back to her, watching as she put the strap over her shoulder and stared up at him, still bemused. She wanted to tell him that Harley was a better lover to make some flip remark that would sting him, but she couldn't. He was in pretty much the same shape. He hated the very thought of Harley, but even through the jealousy, he realized that Libby's response weren't those of an experienced woman. When Julie kissed him, it was with her whole body. She was more than willing to do anything he liked, but he couldn't take Julie to bed because he didn't want her that way. It was a source of irritation and amusement to him, and to Julie, who made sarcastic remarks about his prowess. It wasn't lack of ability, it was just lack of desire, but he raged with him when he looked at Libby. He never wanted a woman to the point of madness until now, she was the one woman he couldn't have. Woman and their damned ambitions, he said. Damn Harley and damn you, Libby. Damn you too, Jordan, she said breathlessly. And don't expect me to, to drag you in any more alleys make love to you. That's going to be your attitude. She turned and walked away before he had time to realize what she said. He had to bite back a laugh. This was no laughing matter. He had to get a grip on himself before Libby realized what was wrong with him. After their disturbing encounter, she wondered if she and Kurt wouldn't be do better to just move off their property and live somewhere else. In fact, she told him so told herself that might not be a bad idea, Mr. Captain Gray. You have to maintain a presence on the property, he told him from if you move out, Jenna make might use that against you in court. You don't understand, she groaned. Jordan's driving me crazy, and every time I look out the window, Julie's speeding down the road to Jordan's house. Jordan's being gone, he ventured. I know that, but he won't listen, Libby said, sitting down heavily behind her. Julie's got him convinced that I'm running wild with Harley Fowler. That woman is big trouble, he said. I've given a lot to see her forced to admit what she did to the Colbertson girl at the party. You think it was her? She asked. Nobody else had a motive. He set his eyes narrow and cold. Shannon Coberson was running against her for class president. Julie wanted to win. I don't think she planned to kill her. She was going to set her up with one of the boys she was dating and ruin Shannon's reputation. But it backfired, at least. That's my theory. If this gets out, it's going to disgrace her father even more, even further. Isn't he already disgraced enough because of the drunk driving charges? Yes. He and his cronies at City Hall are trying desperately to get those charges dropped before they get into some newspaper. His publisher doesn't owe him a favor. Kept replied perched on the edge of her desk. There's a disciplinary hearing at City Hall next month for the officers involved. Grier says the council is going to try to have the police officers fired. She's my. I can just see, Sheriff.
Chief Dreyer letting that happen kept him. I think the city council was going to be in a big, in for a big surprise. Our former police chief, Chet Blake, never would buck the council or stand up for any officer who did something politically incorrect with the city fathers. Dreyer isn't like his cousin. What if they fire him too? She asked. He said, if they even try, they'll be recalled by the city council in the mayor. Kept said simply, I can almost guarantee it. A lot of people locally are fed up with city management. Solid waste is backing up. There's no provision for water conservation. The fire department hasn't got one piece of modern equipment. And we're losing revenue hand over fist because nobody wants to mention raising taxes. I didn't realize that. Grier did. He smiled to himself. He's going to shake up this town. It won't be a bad thing either. Do you think he'll stay? He kept on. He put down deep roots already. Although I don't think he realizes how deep they go just yet. <laughs> like everybody else in Jacobsville, Libby knew what was going on on Crash Grier's private life. After all, it had been in most of the tabloids exactly what the situation was between him and his house guests. Tippy Moore was anybody's guess. The couple were equally tight-lipped in public. Can I ask you to do something for me, sir? She asked home, of course. Can you find out if they've learned anything about Daddy at the state crime lab and how much longer it's going to be before they have a report? She asked him. Good Lord, I didn't realize how long it had been since the exhumation. He said, certainly. I'll get right on it. In fact, thanks, he said. He said, no problem. Got to speak and say, have you talked to Violet lately? He asked reluctantly. She's last week and she's having her hair frosted. She began. His lips menacingly. I don't want to know about her appearance. I only wonder how she likes her new job. A lot, she replied. She personally lives. In fact, she and my brother are going out on a date Saturday night. Your brother knows her? He asked. She nodded. He's working for Duke Wright, too. Since when? He explained. He was Jordan's right-hand man. She pretty her eyes. Not anymore. Jordan said some pretty bad things about me. and Kurt quit. Kept I don't understand how a man who was so concerned for both of you has suddenly become an enemy. However, he had, I imagine Julie Merrill has something to do with his change of heart. He's crazy about her for what we hear. He's crazy, all right. He said, turn him back toward his office. He'd go right down the tubes with her and her father if he isn't careful. I tried to tell him he accused me of being jealous. He glanced back at and you aren't. He probes off. Your face goes up. What good would it do, Mr. Kept? How do people like you or they don't? Kep had thought privately that it was more than likely on Jordan's part, <laughs> but apparently he'd been wrong right down the line. Bring your pad if you don't mind, Libby, he said. I want you to look up a case for me at the courthouse law library. Yes, sir, she said, picking up her pad. It was always better to stay busy. That way, she didn't have so much time to think. She was walking into the courthouse when she met Calvin Ballinger coming out of it. He stopped and grinned at her. Just the woman I was looking for, he said. On the assumption that I win this primary election for the Democratic candidate, how would you like to join my campaign staff in your spare time? She cut her breath. Mr. Ballinger, I'm very flattered. Duke Ride tells me that you have some formidable language skills. Not that my secretary don't. Secretaries don't. But they've got their hands full right now trying to get people to go to the polls and vote for me. Sure. To vote for me. And May, I need someone to write publicity for me. Are you interested? You bet, she said at once. Great. Come by the ranch Saturday about one. I've invited a few other people as well. Not the mayors of Jordan Powell? She has wearing the exile, rather. I do not invite the political competition to staff meetings, she said it with Mark Altieri. Besides, Jordan and I aren't speaking.
That's a relief. She said, honestly, you're, the, you're on the wrong side of him, too, I gather. She nodded me and half the town. More than half, if I read the situation right. He said, was a handful of very prominent Democrats have changed sides, and they're now promoting me. He smiled. More for our side. She smiled back. Exactly. Well, then, I'll see you Saturday. I've already invited your boss and Duke Wright, but Duke won't come. He added heavenly. I invited Grier and Duke Silver Brown of about the altercation he had with our police chief. You shouldn't have swung on him, she pointed out. I'm sure he knows that now. He agreed his eyes went. See ya. She gave him a wave and walked into the courthouse lobby. Jordan Powell was standing there with a recept receipt for his automobile tag and glaring daggers Livy. Be on a friendly basis with Callum Ballinger, I gather, he asked. I'm gonna work on his campaign staff, she replied with a halt air smile. He's gonna lose, he told her firmly. He doesn't have name identification. She smiled at him. He hasn't been arrested for drunk driving, to my knowledge. She pointed out his eyes flashed fire. That's a frame, returned. Grier's officers planted evidence against him. She glared back. Chief Grier is honest and open-handed, she told him, and his officers would never be asked to do any such thing. They'll be out of work after the, that hearing, he predicted. You swallow everything Julie tells you, don't you, Jordan? She asked quietly. Maybe you should take a look at the makeup of our city council. Those were people who once owned big businesses in Jacobsville and had tons of money, but their companies are all going downhill and they're short of ready cash. They aren't the people who have the power today, and if you think Chief Cryer is going to stand by and let them railroad his employees, you're way off base. Jordan didn't reply at once. He stared at Libby until her face cold. I never thought you'd go against me after all I've done for you in court. He said, I never thought you'd go against me after all I've done for you and Kurt. He said, she was thinking the same thing. It made her ashamed to recall how he tried to help them both when Janet was first under suspicion of murder and fraud. But he'd behaved differently since he'd gotten mixed up with General Merrill's daughter. He changed drastically. You have done a lot for us, she had to agree. Well, always... We'll always be grateful for it. But you took sides against us first, Jordan. You stood by with your mouth closed in Barbara's cafe and let Julie humiliate me. Jordan's eyes flashed. It almost looked like it, you had enough support. Yes, from Harley Fowler. At least someone spoke up for me. He looked high school. You were rude to Julie first in your own office. Why don't you ask Mr. Kep who started it? She replied, Kep hates her. He said, but he... He'd back your story. I'm working for General Merrill, and I'm going to get him really elected. You just side with the troublemakers and do what you please, but don't expect me to come around with my hat in my hand. I never did, Jordan. She said, I'm just a nobody around Jacobsville, and I'm very aware of it. I'm not sophisticated or polished or rich, and, and I have no manners. On the other hand, I have no aspirations to high society, in case you wondered. Good thing you never fit in. He bit off. She smiled suddenly. And you think you will? She challenged off. You may have better table manners than I do and more money, but your father was poor. None of your new high-class friends is ever going to forget that, even if you do. He said something nasty. She called her a little, but she didn't back down. Don't worry. I know my place, Mr. Powell. She replied just irritating. I'm a minor problem that you put out beside the road. I won't forget. She was making him feel small. He didn't like it. Thank you for being there when we needed you most. She had a quiet. We aren't going to sell our land to developers. If you ever get titled to it, he said coldly. She said, that's out of our hands. Kep will do what he can for you. 
he said feeling guilty because he knew that she and Kurt had no money for attorneys. He heard that Janet was still missing and that Kep's private detective had drawn a blank when he looked into her past. Libby and Kurt must be worried sick about money. Yes. Mr. Kep will do what he can for us. She studied his face so hard and uncompromising. Wonder what had happened to make them so distant after the heated promises of those kisses they exchanged only weeks before. Kurt. Likes working for Ryde, I suppose, he asked reluctantly. She nodded. He's very happy there. Julie had a cousin who trains horses. He's won trophies in Stelchap's competition. He's working in Kurt's place now with my two new thoroughbreds. suppose Julie wants to keep it all in the family. He glared down on Keep all wanting the family. Your money, Jordan, she said sweetly. You wouldn't have turned it down if I'd given you the chance. He keeps sarcastically. You were laying it on thick. Who was kissing whom in the alley? She returned huskily. He didn't like remembering that. <laughs> he jerked his wide brim hat down over his eyes. A moment of weakness shouldn't have happened. I'm not free anymore. Insinuating that he and Julie were much more than friends, Libby thought correctly. She looked past Jordan to Julie, who was just coming out of the courthouse, looking elegant and cold as ice. She saw Libby standing with Jordan, and her lips collided fiercely. Jordan, let's go, she called him angrily. I was only passing the time of day with him, Julie, Libby told the other woman with a vacant smile. Keep your sticky hands to yourself, you little liar, Julie told her as she passed on the steps. Jordan is mine. No doubt you mean his money is yours, right? Libby ventured. Julie drew back her hand and slapped Libby across the cheek as hard as she could. Damn you, she raged. Libby was shocked at the unexpected physical reply, but she didn't retaliate. She just stood there, straight and dignified, with as much pride as she could muster. Around the two women, several citizens stopped and looked at them with keen disapproval. One of them was Officer Danny Hall, one of the two police officers who had arrested Senator Merrill for drunk driving. She walked right up to Libby. That was assault, Miss Collins, she told Libby. If you want to press charges, I can arrest Miss Merrill on the spot. Arrest? Julie spoke. She can't arrest me. I most certainly can, Officer Howell replied. Miss Collins, do you want to press charges? Libby stared at Julie Merrill with cold pleasure, wondering how it would look on the front page of Jacobsville newspaper. Wouldn't that put another kink in your father's re-election campaign? Libby measured softly. Julie looked past Libby and suddenly burst into tears. Tears. She threw herself into Jordan Powell's room. Oh, Jordan, she's going to have me arrested. No, she's not, Jordan said courtly. He glanced at Libby. She wouldn't dare. <laughs> Libby cocked her head. I wouldn't. She glared at her. Look at my cheek, Jordan. It was red. There was a very obvious handprint on it. She insulted me, Julie. Went. I had every right to hit her back. She never struck you, Miss Merrill. Officer Hall replied coldly, Striking another person against the law is against the law, regardless of the provocation. I never meant to do it, Julie Well, She was sobbing, but there wasn't a speck of moisture on her eyes. Please, Jordan, don't let them pull me in jail. Libby and Officer Hall exchanged disgusted looks. Men are so damn gullible, Libby remarked with a glare of Jordan, who looked outraged. All right, Julie, have it your way. But you better learn to produce tears as well as broken sobs if you want to convince another woman that you're crying. Jordan, could we go now? Julie said, I'm just sick. Not half as sick as you'll be when your father loses the election, Julie. Libby drawled sweetly and walked up the steps with Officer Hall at her side. She didn't even look at Jordan as she went into the courthouse. End of chapter 6